Mm. Side note, we all agree that reggae's a pretty dead genre, yeah. I've been thinking this a lot <laughs> since the guy at the outside the supermarket is always playing the same three Bob Marley songs. <laughs> <laughs> The sun has gone down, and the moon has come up, and long ago, somebody left with the cup. Oh. We are Hottest 100 to Thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hard enough to be in the Hottest 100, as voted by you. My name is David James Young, and I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again is Nathan Harrison. Very good, very good, sir. Oh, thank you. Andrew McDonald. Also very good. Thank you, thank you. Oh, Adam Buncher. Oh my god, can can I just say these next two episodes were some of the easiest to ever fucking prep for because it's like, oh, I wonder who any of these <laughs> bands yeah. are. Yep. A lot of fucking obscurities coming up in this one. Um, so obviously we're kicking off with Frank Benton. Whenever you phone. No, god damn it. <laughs> I keep misreading it the whole time. I think to be fair, the Triple J audience misvoted it. <laughs> <laughs> they misread. They misread. I'm misreading. <laughs> we, we actually did go into the offices and we got all of their names. Hello, uh, are you uh, Michael McDonald? Did you vote for Frank Bennett in 1996? Oh, buddy. <laughs> it was a dark you, time. <laughs> I'd like to think those people have been carrying that burden with them since then anyway and, mm. you know, constantly mm. punishing themselves. Also just There's realize- documentaries made where they talk about how they let something like that happen. Yeah, they, just, they, they, they absolve they, themselves of their guilt. And we ask, is it right? It's right. They Should you be to, forgiven? They, should, they continue to self-flagellate. Mm. I also just realised that trying to think of a generic name, I accidentally gave him the leadsinger of the Doobie Brothers. That's my Michael McDonald impression. It's not very good. But you tell you, tell you who is fucking pretty good. This little rock and roll outfit I like to call the Forbes because that's their name. And number thirty, this is Selb Abusa. Hit it. And at number 30 in the 1996 Hottest 100 with a little song called Self Abuser. And we are crossing live to the biggest self abuser in this room, Nathan Harrison. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Look, like, man, there's, like, there's not, yeah, it's no. not real. You're not you're not actually a raver. You don't actually have a chart. Like, Whoa! Like, oh, sorry. Whoa. I forgot about your kid. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! As long as you haven't. I mean, yeah. Well, that's... all right, all right. So the Foves have been around uh, since 1998. 
Sorry, 88. Yes. 1988. Could you imagine um, if they yeah. travelled back in Whoa. time to get in the hottest 100? And only made it to number 30? Oh. <laughs> They're just looking around, staring at their guitars. Not worth it, guys. Remember that Australian rock sound you're after? Well, listen to <laughs> this. <laughs> it's your cousin Marvin. Marvin Boves. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're not ready for that yet But your cousins are going to love it, gonna love it. <laughs> This album Future Spa was their biggest This was their mm. most successful uh, It was beaten uh, to the best alternative album Aria By Spider Bait's Ivy and the Big Apples A tough, a tough nice. year to compete against yeah, A mm. chilling vision of things to come as well for us <laughs> I love how this song just kicks in Like the oh, yeah. first beat like the vocals start on the first beat and that mm. chunky bass and drums the palm meter guitar it's just like it just starts this song has a whole list of things that it does and i did a quick check of it and fuck around is not on that list. that's it right <laughs> it's just so good it, it's so immediate i kind of think that the chorus doesn't quite capitalize on that energy i wish it was a little bit bigger and i don't know how it's meant to do that maybe it's just more vocals or whatever but like the chorus, I was I was ready because yeah, it started okay. so punchy. I was like, this chorus is going to be massive. And the chorus is good, but it wasn't quite there. But I think just overall, this is just a really good, solid rock song. The lyrics are fun. It's, it's super easy to sing along to, but the whole way through, it just sort of chugs through this, like, this really groovy rock song the whole way through. Mm. I, I think it's great. There's definite tones of UMI here, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, but like the bass and the dancing guitar are so thick in the verses that they just like it brings a chunkiness to it that I think um, contemporaries that mm. fell by the wayside didn't have. It's almost in a way like the id of Australian rock. There's no, mm. there's not a huge amount of like, there's no excess, there's no fluff. It's just like, and even like like the lyrics themselves, like they're yeah. witty to a point, but it's also just like jerking off made me feel like a dickhead, but actually is pretty good. Like is the <laughs> point of the song. That's that's the, that's the message. We have that's all the genius been annotation. There, people, we have all been. There. <laughs> it's a masturbation pride song. Yeah. yeah, which is like, and like that in itself is kind of. Like amazing, especially because they attach such an earnestness to it. Yeah, yeah, like they're, they're pretty genuine. Not this is since a genuine I touched song. myself by the yeah. divinals <laughs> have we had such an iconic jerk off song. <laughs> it's just fun and easy and comfy. I can see why people love these guys because if you're seeing this at like a little bar, probably the Sando, it would have been fucking sick. It's just like, you would definitely get along with this song, having a beer while these guys sing about jerking off. Like, <laughs> it's just Australian rock at its most ocker, but like still done with an earnestness that belies the kind of nature of the music. It's just, yeah, this is a terrific piece of rock music. Yeah. yeah. It's cool that you mentioned them playing live because I found some information about this one particular gig they did in Annandale. They were pretty known for their live shows and in particular doing like some kind of weird shit during it. Anyway, one, uh, one gig they played at the Annandale Hotel has become famous because they busted into this out-of-nowhere freeform noise jam, and at that point, uh, one of the members actually washed the other member's hair with Vegemite live on stage, and this has become this, like, watershed moment for them. They, what? along those lines, often get compared to Tism. I'm on the drum! Huh. Um, I found this really hilarious write-up by you know Spotify. Sometimes you it has like a biography, and they yeah. get like mm. dedicated writers from Spotify to write biographies of the band. Dedicated Who, writers to scrape together information from the Wikipedia <laughs> yeah. page for Spotify, or in this case, find someone who's just like the biggest Phobes <laughs> fan in the world. Who like the opening paragraph is pretty much literally the Phobes are one of the best Australian <laughs> bands that ever was. They're like Tism but better. Like, well, that's, that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't yeah. take back. 
Spotify. <laughs> Dude on Spotify. Yeah. But then it's like every and every paragraph he just likes to remind people. It's like anyway, the, one of the best bands in Australia. This band, the Foves. Um, it was. It's just great. You might know them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he is Mr. Fove. <laughs> yeah. Mr. But, Fove. But that attitude, like uh, that that self-deprecating Australian attitude, like that kind of tism had in in a certain sense that a lot of other Australian of, rock bands yeah. have. You know, like they well and truly had that. I think it's best typified in another thing that they did where when they released I think it was this album uh, it came with an additional 22 disc CD that was demo recordings early stuff and also some live tracks um, and an accompanying essay called 22 Reasons You Shouldn't Release Anything in the First Couple of Years of Being a Band which is just <laughs> them yeah, great. ridiculing the crap out of every recording that they had on that disc That's like, great. which is pretty it's, cool it's that kind of thing that like endears this kind of music to its fans and like yeah, it's that like even yeah. if this is not the like obviously this isn't a groundbreaking piece of music it's just fun rock music yeah. um but like that kind of sh- like that it's very australian australiana self-deprecating nature that is so steeped in our culture yeah um that bands like the foes bands like again tism you have yep. my to a degree friends are wrong to a large degree yeah. that kind of self-deprecating you got to be the first person to make fun of yourself and then everybody's in on the joke mm. if someone makes fun of you then you're on the outside of it but if you're the first person to crack a joke at your own shittiness or your own expense then everybody's involved and everybody's having a laugh and that's mm. what this sign of song is as well seem to be what they're about yeah i yeah. i dig that i really dig that about them they're one of those bands that have just kind of been on my radar for ages but i've never like properly got into a record and listening to this song and like fucking just kicking down the street and feeling like a goddamn winner i was like what the fuck have <laughs> i been doing with my goddamn fucking time yeah but i've listened to so i listened to the new Katy perry record it's a piece of that's shit that's a bad idea dude i know <laughs> witness more like hitless oh <laughs> more like shitless <laughs> yeah the fact that i could have listened to this song like i'm gonna say like 20 times in the time it took me to listen to fucking Katy perry's record I just feel like I'm making bad life decisions, man. <laughs> For real, this song fucking slaps. It's just big, dumb fun, and I need some big, dumb fun right now. This feels like a number third. This feels like it's just like we're kicking off into the next level. This, oh this, is, this is true Australia pub or Australia barbecue music, right? Like It's yeah. perfect. Mm. It's perfect across 100 fodder. Because we're also at that point in the countdown now where there are about 30 big songs left that everyone's like, there are a bunch of songs that came out this year that were huge that I know are going to be in the top half of this yeah. countdown. Yeah. If they haven't yeah. come yet, they're coming soon. Super so, exciting point to reach. Yeah. Because there's still enough possibility that anything could kind of still happen. It's, it's a great part but, of the listen every year as well. Yeah. Like yeah, when you're listening along. Because yeah. there's still that knife edge thing of like, cool, this is either going to be in the top 30 or I guess it didn't get in at all. Yeah. Which is yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I believe that that would have been a, a massive thing for the Phobes fans at this time as well oh, to, have, yeah. to have this happen and be it's like, cool, there's enough thing. of us out Total there. Total underdog thing. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, like they were they were kind of like this cult band. Like that, that Eight had really years they've been kicking around. You know, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, yay. Yeah. Fuck yeah! At number 29, this is Back Devil's Haircut. Something's wrong cause my mind is fading. And everywhere I look, there's a dead end waiting. Temperatures dropping at the rotten oasis. Stealing kisses from the leprous faces. Are hanging from the garbage man trees 
Mouthwash, jukebox, gasoline Pistols are pointing at a poor man's pockets Smiling eyes ripping out of the sockets Got a devil's haircut in my mind Got a devil's haircut in my mind Got a devil's haircut in my mind Got a devil's haircut Hottest 100 at number 29 with a song called Devil's Haircut or That is my favorite part of the goddamn song. <laughs> it's fucking, amazing. When he just leans into a megaphone and just goes fucking hair. Yeah. It sounds so good. It sounds metal as hell. I have loved this song from the second I heard it, which, fittingly enough, was on the Hottest 100 1996 compilation hey, CD. Nice. I had not done my deep dive of Beck at that precocious young age. So around this time, I discovered Devil's Haircut, and I get super into that song. And then I see the video for another Future Hottest 100 entry, Sex Laws, which features a young Jack Black. Incredible video. A a scene-stealing Jack Black. And since then, I've just been absolutely fucking immersed in the world of Beck. And I love this side of Beck when he lets his fucking 70s cop film, like, (laughs) weird, like, semi-spy guitar, like, rock and roll side completely take over but also incorporating like the sample side of his music like you know throwing in the funky drummer sample and stuff mm. like that and then those just random like flourishes of like keyboards and stuff like that like in the interludes like this song has like several interludes between the down yeah. and it's just like he's just got this solid shot down the highway and then he'll just fucking occasionally just drive off into a ditch and then just drive directly back onto the fucking freeway and and then just pop a couple of wheelies on the fucker just for kick. That yeah. is the kind of power that Beck has as a songwriter. And I find that so exciting. I I love the shit out of this goddamn song. And I have from the second I heard it growing up. There's just an influx of hyperbole and like wild shit that goes off in my head the second for that Beck. Beck comes up. Yeah, I like, think... It's just like, your motherfuckers talking about Beck. I fucking ride through this shit. Let me tell you all about this record. Let me tell you about this fucking record. And they'll be like, who is this guy harassing me at the bus stop? Leave me the fuck alone. When you said about veering off course, I think that's like, because obviously there's a lot to love about Beck in all of his moods. Be he, yeah. sa- be he sample delic, be he singer-songwriter for Lord. Yeah, 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 there's yeah, a lot yeah. to love about a lot of Beck. But my favourite thing about him, and that's why I go for like Odalay and Guerrero records is that that exact thing like that when he's at his best you don't know where a song's gonna take you yeah, at all yeah. like when, when like in that when it breaks yeah. and just like like when like before a chorus then it'll just have like synthesized theremin tones like wheel 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 and then it's like is that the break of this point of like or like the breakbeat comes back in and then just like the over the top guitar sound like like I'm a little surprised this beat where it's at because that's certainly become the mm. more deified song yeah. but like I think this as the this first song on in its own right. of course and yeah. it should um, and uh, as the opening song from Odelay I think mm. I often think of because uh, I have a small obsession with um, opening and closing tracks on records and mm. I think this as a thesis statement for Odelay as a sound is so perfect because there's the beautiful chaos of samples throughout that never give you a chance to identify one if you're not a music historian or have Wikipedia on hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Except then, for Funky Drummer. Literally yeah. everyone knows that. <laughs> and then, but then like the thick as hell guitar that comes in as well. It's just like 
out of place yes. with the sample work, but it's 100%. still, yeah, yeah. Mm. And like to have all that working together as a statement for what Odelay is going to be is so perfect. Calling the lyrics nonsensical is accurate on one level, but I think they do something very, very clever that separates Beck from like, oh, whoa, random as a writer. <laughs> is that like the lyrics do the work that I think the mind does when it has abstract thoughts that yep. aren't yep. cohesive enough to be, to be working within language. Yeah. Um, and he, channels that into a way that like these ideas of vanity of um like working and depression and like the absurdity of modern life that permeate through these lyrics that make it just this incredible piece of music that like because it could just be a fun pop song and it is a hell fun pop song but there's so much at work here that i think like i'm not sure that it took beck a long time to write this song maybe he's a natural musician and it came to him in a weekend but it seems like the kind of thing that like famously it took leonard cohen years to write hallelujah because he just went over draft over draft over draft Mm -hmm. and i can see there being a similar thought process with this song because there's so much at fucking work here that it's just this this is a masterpiece of beck music i just think it's just an absolute spectacular study in beck yeah study in beck i'm so glad you we were on to the lyrics and we're talking about the lyrics here because it's kind of become a bit of a joke have you picked out some way. of your favorites or oh look any of them um, come to town with a briefcase boost the best lyric yeah it's amazing <laughs> amazing um the one about leprous faces and just like it just, it's just so wonderful like even just phonetically listening yeah. to the words and the sounds that they make i think there's a lot to be said about writing lyrics in that way like yeah. even if just you know man this that's really satisfying sonically to hear those sounds come from a human yeah. mouth in terms of the words that you've chosen here but the joke has always been, what the hell is this song about? Uh, famously in Futurama were the, f- the amazing cameo that Beck has in that. There's actually yeah. a line where he said, when I was writing Devil's Haircut, I was feeling really, um, what's that song about again? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and so everyone's kind of wondered. And there's been, you can pour over the lyrics and people indeed have. And they've said all sorts of things Just, about you it. You can look up all the lyrics in the Bectionary. Look up in the Bectionary. Bob Dylan actually, you know, speaking of other guys who wrote some lyrics uh he, he <laughs> featured this song on a on a radio show he was doing like a songs that are about the devil because like that's the that's the coolest thing um and he and he was you know he had his own kind of take on what the song was about but there's been several interviews kind of in the last couple of years where beck has actually come out been like guys i gotta tell you about the lyrics in Odelay, they were all placeholders. They were all, they were all like, you know, the, the, that's the thing that people incredible. do. Yeah. Right? And like, the, and that's fair, but I don't think that discredits the idea of a deep analysis. 100% not. Yeah. And that's, I think, but that in itself comes, connects back to what I think you were saying about the thesis work of Odelay in yeah. that it's free flowing and it's stream of consciousness and it it says yes, and it's it's a constant process of saying yes to yourself within the the workings of creativity. But also, we know that Beck was meticulous at this point into what mm. he was what he was crafting, and to so, ma- and to make something that wouldn't have him as a one hit wonder with loser. Precisely. So it's it's about like giving himself free reign lyrically, musically, and you know a, a, obeying impulse and obeying whim, but. Just being really careful about it, I guess. It, it, that's that's the tension that you have in the creative process, and I think it's why why Odelay is incredible and enduring and unique. Mm. I, and like, I guess if they are placeholders, uh, just to say what you said, but the sound of them, like it's so, yeah. it's one of those albums, and this song in particular, maybe more than any of them, exception of where it's at. It's fun to sing along to. Like, there's, oh, a, yeah. there's a joy of making those sounds with your mouth. It's, it's, it's delightful. Like, just yeah. the sound of them, like the the phono aesthetics. 
of the of the <laughs> lyrics. And mm. what I think it also does for Beck to come out as an artist and say I didn't inter- intend these to mean anything; they were just kind of off the top of my head. It relieves everyone of the search for meaning, mm. which is the best way to approach it anyway. Because mm. then you do have this playfulness that is in in the in the reading as much as it is in the composition. Yeah, and not enough songs have people screaming into megaphones. It's pretty it's much just oh, right. and a handful of Tom true. White songs. <laughs> 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 But I just, I just like we talked about it a bit. I just that oh, that mode of <laughs> internal monologue is just so well done. Like mm. you make all those mental connections, and it's all about this in- interior perception of the world around you and stuff. And it's great. And the video matches that really well with yeah. all the cool references to Midnight Cowboy and Four Hundred Cowboy Blows. Hat oh, Beck. How fucking <laughs> sick does he look in the yeah. goddamn so good. hat? More like Beck Handsome. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I think it's kind of ironic as well that he's, he has talked about the song being about vanity or whatever because it's just such a like perfect song to put headphones in and walk down a street and feel way cooler than you really are. Yeah, 100%. Because it's just the song just builds this internal world for you to just like a filter that you, everything around you you're seeing through this it's, wonderful it, yeah. language play. It's very good soundtrack. That kind of that you, yeah. you just got a headphones yeah. in. Uh-huh. You're walking. You're like, yeah, I'm walking. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, I'm walking, and, and it looks yeah. really yeah. good. You're walking down the street with a fucking switch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every, like, everybody's like you, in your head. You're like, everyone sees how handsome I am right now, right? Yeah. I'm just, I like. Yeah. That is someone, someone's how back handsome I am. Somebody's gonna give me a high five right now. <laughs> That's an entire subgenre of songs. It's like it's, it's, the walking down the street yeah. feeling cool. It's a great genre yeah. of song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Superstition by Stevie Wonder. Yeah, All fucking time. staying alive. Yeah. Staying alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Fucking down on the street by the Stooges. Okay, final question. When he says devil's haircut, what do you see as the devil's haircut in your mind? Because mine is Richard Spencer. Oh, that's the Nazi haircut! <laughs> it's definitely the Nazi haircut! Yeah. Yes! Yeah, yes! Yeah, yeah. Yes! Yes, yeah. yes! 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 Okay. Um, any, any, other, any other thoughts? Yeah, what, do you, was... what do you envision when you think of a devil's I haircut? think I thought like a faux hawk. Ooh, like a really okay. greased up faux hawk. <laughs> but I honestly didn't think about yeah, it that much. Yeah. Do you haircut. mean like fucking Bobby De Niro in Taxi Driver? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, or, or like David Beckham in that period where he... Uh... Oh my God, yes! Oh, yeah. I, I thought of like a really greasy Elvis style pompadour. Oh, I, the, the, I there like is that, that as well. Yeah, I like that a lot because I think uh, the devil would have a like it'd be a good haircut. You, yeah, the devil. Oh yeah, uh, you know, famously good. <laughs> <laughs> Famous for nothing else except yeah. being good. What do you think the devil's haircut is? Call in one eight hundred Devil's Haircut. Right to us, care of your capital city. <laughs> Locked bag double nine double nine crow's nest, New South Wales. We got some yoga prize packs. At number 28, it's the return of the Smashing Pumpkins. This is Zero.
Gucci, just like me. It's the t-shirt slogan that inspired a generation at number 28. The Smashing Pumpkins are here with zero. Let's talk to our 90s angst grunge expert, mm. the saddest boy in the room. Mm. We're talking uh, Mr. Adam Buncher, <laughs> obviously. I shouldn't smile. <laughs> it's, it's completely inappropate. You shouldn't time. tell people that you're smiling. It's a radio show. Oh, they, well, they can hear fair, it. He, oh, he, can he didn't. He just said, I shouldn't smile. <laughs> in, 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 the, in the transcript for this episode, that will come across as miserable. Yeah. Adam, scowling. I think that needs to be my cover photo on Facebook as well, just the text of Adam dot, I shouldn't smile. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah, well, that's, the filters. Or, yeah. yeah, or I put that on a the T-shirt, and that's my zero shirt. Yeah. That <laughs> represents me. Oh my lord, Adam Buncher smiling politely. Oh yeah, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Look, I wanna, I wanna start off by just going like every time that we talk about the Smashing Pumpkins, it kind of goes down a, a similar track where we end up. Yeah, it's just like how good were they? Fuck Billy Corgan. Yeah, yeah. 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 I really want to focus on the first half of that, and I just want to say just. Just if we could just for this song, <laughs> not deal with how much of a ball bag Billy Corgan is. All right. Yeah. There's an experience that happens with music sometimes, uh, and I've experienced it maybe a handful of times. And I really hope that anyone who enjoys music at any level gets to have this experience at some point, where you listen to a song, and the only way that you can really think about it is, I have always imagined that a song like this could exist, and hoped that I would find it. I've I've had that like a, with a couple of a couple of songs a couple of different times and when I was a teenager that is 100% what I thought when I heard this song. I am still floored by how utterly and I and I don't say this as a throwaway word yeah. perfect this song is for what it is. I go so hard for zero. And that's and also I a Smashing Pumpkins reference have. so double points. Thank you. Yeah. yeah I'm it's a single board. from a later album. <laughs> like the 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 riff is like so unbelievably catchy and it communicates oh, yeah. and it sounds so good and it's so immaculately crafted painstakingly there are six rhythm guitars and two 12 recordings. strings that's huge that's like, a lot that of is, strings that yeah. is massive what's the bet that like, William is playing all of them <laughs> it's, a fairly, it's a fairly good bet What's the bet that James recorded them and then William came in and recorded over them? <laughs> I just think this song succeeds in every possible way. There's not a single thing that I would change about Zero by Smashing Pumpkins. I think it is just absolutely immaculate. For where alternative rock was at the time, in context, I think it just works and works and works. Mm. The, 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 I don't know whether you call it the chorus riff, but the one that kind of bounces up and down or whatever. That's almost one of my favourite. technically doesn't have a chorus. Well, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it's 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 a weird kind of chorus. It's and whatever. just riff. It's just all riff. It's riff A and riff B. Yeah. Well, the B riff, like, <laughs> man. I mean, I love the A riff as well, but the way it kicks up into the into the yeah. that, oh god, it fills me up. Like, I, I adore this song. Like, I absolutely love. That's another I, reference. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, triple point. You're really on fire yeah. today. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Or depending on where you listen to this tonight. Tonight. <laughs> So I just love it. I, I don't like. It's hard. It's hard to kind of articulate it anymore. <laughs> yeah. But I just think like yeah, the, yeah. the the apathy present and the darkness present, and, and oh, dude, yeah, just motion the, the way that you can really get behind it. Like it's such it's such aggressive apathy in a mm. way, but in a way that you can really fly a flag for being apathetic. Like it's an apathetic. Oh yeah, that fucking dirt, it's an apathetic dirt, the anthem. mantra over that. Like that is generation yeah. defining. Yeah, if you if you are in the pits of self hatred, this is an anthem. Do you can really get behind, and it can energize you in a way, and in a way that that kind of like 
cathartically alleviates you yeah. from that feeling. Just like, you know what? Yeah, I'm a zero. Like now, what Billy Corgan, where he was coming from when he was writing it, like all kind of Smashing Pumpkin songs, it's kind of a reflection of his own persona because it's it's Billy Corgan. What's mm. he, what's he thinking about? He's thinking about himself. That's that's as far as I'm going to go. With <laughs> yeah, my Billy Corgan sledging. This is the height of the pumpkins, and yeah. a lot of people at least in Billy Corgan's opinion, are looking towards him as being this, you know, this huge figure. He's, he's dealing with fame or whatever, and he's always been a little bit ill at ease with it. And so this was his declaration. It's like, no, I'm a zero. Like, this came just before, you know, he emblazoned that as kind of a, a logo for himself on the shirt, which then mm. became hugely iconic. And it yeah. also coincided with him taking on his now, you know, uh, iconic look of the shaved head. Like, this yeah. is when... That's when that Corgan kind of happened. Yeah, this is pre-murdering Harry Potter's parents. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 very good amongst all the grandeur of melancholy, like compared to like when we talked about tonight tonight. Yeah, like which is so sweeping and epic, and the record is sweeping and epic as well, like a, a two-disc so concert long. album. Um, but like to have a song which a wonderfully short, like two minute yeah. forty yeah. piece of fierce anger. Yeah. yeah, so do I. I always think it's longer than 100%. it is. Hundred percent. Um, because there's so much going on in the heaviness and the, the theme, but like to have this angry piece of guitar rock amongst the grandeur of melancholy, it's just like, oh yeah, you guys are an angry young band, and like yeah. that's really great here to hear that amongst melancholy's sound. I think, yeah, and I think they've had, they had angry songs before this, you know, of course, yeah, uh, oh but, yeah, but this is probably even angrier, I'm, but like just in the context, like it just fucking it's so dark, mm-hmm. like, it's yeah. just it's 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 remarkably dark. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's why it works. You know, when people think of the Smashing Pumpkins, like this would probably be in the top five songs that come up. To be honest, man, like if if I had to pick a number one for the countdown, it would probably be this. Like, yeah, I, right. I, I actually your favorite song of '96 is Zero. Look, it's one of my favorite songs. Like, yeah, period. no, I can't I, argue with that. It's I, a fucking great. I, song. I always forget about it. I always really like forget about how much. I love this song but when i'm in the presence of it it's just like absolute the first oh yeah like of, when it's on you don't want to be listening to anything else no way I, yeah like, yeah yeah i definitely think the lyrics looking back like if you've written down the lyrics they're nothing but cringe but like it's it's it's, it's targeting just, a teen a teenage opinion yeah. i can testify if, to that as someone I, who's read a book of billy corkin's poetry <laughs> oh my god I, I feel like if like i, I was never like we've said numerous times that I never really connected with the pumpkins when I was an age to have connected with the pumpkins. Yeah. So like I, I come at it from an, as an outsider's perspective. Yeah. But I'm sure like there are things that I love as a teenager which looking back are incredibly cringeworthy as well. Of course, it's part of being a teenager. Yeah. And if I was in the pumpkins, this would be a song that I would have connected with like you, I'm sure, because I was a self-indulgent, unhappy teenager as well. Yeah. Um, and this would have been music that would have spoken to me then. But looking at it now, like it is like there's some like... Like I'm in love with my sadness is like an achingly cringy line. There's like, and that's just one of many of the whole song. Like it's like the like the lyrics are bad as an adult, and it's weird that he as an adult could have written a song so uh, targeted perfectly at teenage unhappiness. It, it succeeds in what it's trying to do in connecting with that sense of teenage alienation and the the, the, the kind of sorrow that you that you want to indulge in or that not but you want to be self indulgent in that sorrow as a teenager and as an adult as well. But it's something that that kind of unhappiness where you're like you want to be self-indulgent in your, in your like idea of depression. And that's what this song does really well. I think, I think for me when I, I like, it's a nostalgia goggles thing, partly in that when I listen to it, I'm oh, transported back to at a time when it was something that I could take really, really seriously. And I just kind of adopt that earlier manifestation of myself or persona for a little while. But, and, yeah. but also like, you know, they're not just words on a page though. Corgan sells them so well, I think in his performance, mm. like the way he says, you blame yourself. You blame yourself. The way he delivers it. 
Oh, I still love it. Like I still, oh, yeah, I still yeah. mouth along to it. Like, <laughs> like when I was on the way here and I was listening to it, I was just going, yeah. like, yes. Oh man. Or oh, I, I quietly reckon, despite the fact it's like such a like mopey, angsty song, this is definitely a walk down the street kind of song. Just like, bang. yeah. You know oh, what? Yeah, but yeah. You, you, you don't think you <laughs> look Fucking, handsome. Yeah. You just, you just want everyone to yeah, know. Yeah. You're just like, get the fuck out of my yeah. way. That's it. Oh man, you cannot go wrong with this fucking song. Yeah. Oh, it's just been one of those songs that like. At the time, you know, when you're a kid hearing that for the first time, it's one of the heaviest things you've ever heard. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it is heavy as a very heavy thing. Yeah. You can't deny songs like this. Like, there's just too much fucking writing on it. And, like, yeah, those fucking Jimmy Chamberlain triplets, that fucking whole sequence is, like, utterly fucking perfect. And then just to have the fucking guitar after... after <laughs> just fucking just... just Going ham, just fucking going straight fucking ham before ham was even a concept. <laughs> like, you know, fucking Jay-Z and Kanye travelled back in time <laughs> to make sure that fucking the Smashing Pumpkins went ham on yeah. this song. You know that thing you want to go? Well, <laughs> well listen this. to this! <laughs> the, it's your the, cousin Marvin uh, Ham! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Because I think for me, there's a lot of a, a lot of pumpkin songs where all the emotion that Billy tries to write about and stuff kind of gets there's a little bit of disconnect with the with the production and kind yeah. of gets twisted a little bit by some pretense or whatever. This song is just so direct, like that. Just the guitar, it's so wretched. That yes. tone, it's like twisted and it feels horrible. Oh, but it's yeah. the kind of great horrible that that indulging in the emotion of the song is like mm. everything in this song is so direct so linked up there's just none of that kind of lofty pretense that i think gets muddles like, the message yeah, it muddles the message of some of the other songs it makes it a bit harder to connect to if you're not in the throes of those emotions or whatever but this song just it just does it yeah the it, crazy messy solo about the through quarter mark as well as as the song starts to starts to break apart and degenerate yeah like that solo is just so fucking Goes fierce ham. i live Goes for ham. that kind of noisy solo yeah that yeah. is well tight yeah it's beautiful apart from the fact that it's iconic to have like like zero is a very good word to be a brand there's a reason that this was the choice of a generation for disaffected lollapalooza teenagers it <laughs> is perfect for what it is yeah <laughs> Definitely the Pepsi of its time. <laughs> Pepsi of its, time, it's a choice yeah. of a new generation. Just, yeah, <laughs> hand a zero shirt to the police at a riot. Yeah. <laughs> Pepsi Zero? <laughs> 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 it's time to eat it too at number 27. It's cake! This is the distance. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago somebody left with the cup. He's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's all alone. All alone in a time of need. Because he's racing and racing and plotting the course. He's fighting and riding and riding on his horse. He's going the distance. Oh. 
coming in at number 27 in the 1996 Hotest 100 with the song The Distance from Fashion Nugget. Fashion, Fashion Nugget. Nugget. It's, I knew it was one of those two-word motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> A cake album, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they are cake are spectacular at album names. Speaking of two-word motherfuckers, Andrew McDonald. Thank you. I love cake an awful lot. Um, these have been one of the longest musical loves of my life. I remember having the Fashion Nugget CD as a kid, played yes. the shit out of it. And like before I knew this was a big song, Like this was a, I just liked the album an awful lot. And then I'm like, oh, this is actually a hit song when, Like later on when I found out. I still love them now. Their output has kind of slowed in recent years, but they're yeah. still, like their last album that came out a few years ago still bangs really hard. This, I guess, was a song that broke them into the mainstream. Um, still remains one of their biggest hits. Uh, that it was a hit at all, I think, is really quite wonderful. It's like just oddball enough to be like a pretty out there song. Like it's sing spokeny baritone vocals about a dude who like lonelily carving up the racetrack while yes. his, while his missus watches on despondently. Like, <laughs> is he in a car or on a horse as well? Because in, in my head, it's a car. I've always car. pictured it's a, a car. car. Yeah. Because okay. um, it's man's a- horse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. I, was, I love, I, but I love like again. It's it's kind of like um, the presence of the United States thing, where it's, they're very yeah. It's you know the lyrically you can't tell what it is. It's, it's yeah. Is it a car? Is it a horse? Yeah. Like for, to have that tension there, and for it not to be clear, is wonderful. Yeah, I think um, what cake their music has always been one that has been an answer to grunge. I feel I find them to be an Ameri- okay. an Americana version of Britpop's irony. They right. I had never thought of that, like and that lot, has though. like mm. blown my tiny little dick. So, like, please continue because yeah. I, I think they respond to, I guess, what could be seen as like the pompous sincerity of grunge with like this dense wryness and like bookish nerdiness. Um, yeah. and like they, 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 that is quite explicit on the track from the first record, um, called Rock and Roll Lifestyle, which is just like taking a shot at the grunge music scene. How much did you pay for the chunk of his guitar, the one he ruthlessly smashed at the end of the show? And how much will he pay for a brand new guitar, one which he'll ruthlessly smash at the end of another show? That aside, I think Cake are a wonderful band, and we finally get to talk about them, and this song. Everybody knows this song, obviously. Even if you don't like Cake, you'd know this song because it was fucking everywhere and it's been used in a bunch of TV shows and ads and soundtracks and movies. It's just a great popular song. The fact that they managed to, like, I guess because in a way it takes like a hip-hop aesthetic of like a a backbeat bass line and drums and vocals that play around with that, but it's not at all hip-hop sounding at all. It's just like (laughs) country twang there aren't many bands that sound like Cake, so all Cake songs sound exactly like Cake. Yeah, like, yeah. Cake uh. don't have a wide mix of musical styles, and that's fine, because I love them very much. Like, I think this is so much fun. The lyrics are so sardonic and bizarre, and just like, well, another one of those, it's not necessarily a walking down the street song, it almost is, but it's a real, like, there's just something about this that makes me feel really, really... Well, not cool, but like yeah. make, makes me feel wry listening to it. Like it's like, hmm, spot oh, yeah. on, that, cake, spot that, on. Yeah, like, when yeah. that chorus kicks in, you just fucking yeah. you feel something. It. It's, yeah. it's and you and you would you could mistake it for being cool, but yeah. it's not. It's very much. <laughs> like, and the, the, the video worked with this as well. But this song sounds like you are a man in a business suit tearing us through a city in slow motion. That is this song in its weirdness, and it just. The horns that come in when they do come in are just so delightful. And then again, the keyboard, as David said, same guy working his the ass off The G-Funk kind of line. G-Funk oh, yeah. keyboard what? line, yeah. And <laughs> like, hip-hop the, is there. Yeah. 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 like, yeah. yeah. And like, yeah. The, the riff, the, like the guitar work, is this was written by the guitarist. Um, yes, yeah. Um, oh, the guitar. Yeah. Oh, man. 
Oh, he does a lot of work in this. But to be fair, I say all the guitar, but all the everything. All the everything. All every the, every single yeah. part is yeah. just is not only like impossibly catchy, but arranged and comes in and yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I one think- of Cake's absolute things that they're incredible at is arrangement. Yeah. Every part wah. is doing exactly what it needs oh, to do. Chef hands for every member of Cake. Because there's so much cake. See what I did there? <laughs> Hell yeah! But they, there's just so much room in the song for all of those parts to have their moment and to mm. do it. It's yes. not. It's not crowded. Even though, like, there are dozens of things happening in this song. Yes, 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 yes. There's so much space in it, and and that matches with John McCree's vocals yeah. so well because you can sort of because of that deadpan thing he does. You can come in yeah. and out of that or whatever. There's so much joy in in the, all of the internal rhymes. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. But the song just sort of lets you go where you want and explore all of these wonderful little moments that happen across the whole thing. Yeah. I think it's the fact that they don't have two of anything in the band. Like, the fact that they have one singer, one guitar player, one bass player, one drummer, one multi-instrumentalist <laughs> that fills in those little blanks here and there. So everyone else has, like, drawn, like, the sketch, and then he fucking comes in and just colours in. Yeah. That's what yeah. he does. And he brings it all together. So, That's like, a really good point. Like, but- it's just... It's such a cool, like, unique thing to have. Like, most bands at this point had a fucking DJ. Remember when all the bands had DJs? <laughs> oh, man, that was fun. And then all those DJs had to learn to play keyboards because they wanted to keep their place in the band. <laughs> Shout out to DJ Kilmore from fucking Incubus. <laughs> <laughs> this those was guys- never part of the deal. <laughs> that wasn't part- He's just there at the piano. <laughs> just like he's got the grumpy old granny next to him. Just You've got to land your pianos. <laughs> oh, I fucking hate playing piano. Do you want to stay in Incubus? <laughs> yes. Do you want to keep... Scale- do you want to keep the Grammys on the shelf? Yeah. Yes. Do you want the platinum records and the fucking pussy worldwide that Brandon doesn't want? Yes. More than anything. <laughs> More than anything in the world, Granny Piano. <laughs> but that's not the deal with fucking Trumpet Man from Cake, whatever your name is. What can you? What more can you say? This song's fucking perfect. It's like it's another fucking perfect song. We got back to back perfect songs. No, I agree. This song in completely is different contexts. Mm. Yeah, this is uh, just what a uh, world. The trumpeter Vincent DeFore, um John McCrae and Vince are the two longest members of the band. Just this quick list of um, DeFore's musical influences: country music, mariachi, folk, rock, funk, Iranian folk music, and hip hop. And that is a like spectacular breadth of like music to yeah. combine together and somehow it works and somehow it was big enough for this band to be a professional, internationally touring successful rock act is really special and one of those unique things about 90s alternative music that is just so spectacular. Yeah, I think this is one of the more like out-and-out fun songs that has kind of ever existed, definitely of the 90s. I 100% go behind the fact that it's perfect, and yep. I think like it's really worth listening to it and then just like kind of marvelling at how every individual piece could be so perfect yep. and then just mathematically explore it out, there's your perfect song. And just a quick side note, I mentioned before their album titles, which I love. I just think that they do that thing that I think is so special with certain kinds of humour that it's just funny in its aesthetic for being the way it is. Album titles like Fashion Nugget, Comfort Eagle, Showroom of Compassion, <laughs> and my favourite, Pressure Chief, are just <laughs> funny words wow. in the same way like they just sound funny working together as sounds to say yes, Pressure yeah. Chief. Thank you, Cake. <laughs> Thank you, Blessed Cake. be. Blessed be to the cuck. Nathan, are you, are you putting your raver pants on? Like... 
Oh my. <laughs> oh, oh, Nathan's now handing out glow sticks. Here we go. Here we Here go. Here we go. We're going to turn the lights off and get the fucking disco ball going. At number 26, this is the Chemical Brothers featuring Noel Gallagher. It's setting sun. of the hottest 100 featuring Noel Gallagher making his first solo appearance yeah. in the hottest 100 uh, let's talk about this big beat anthem and let's throw it to the rave king himself the biggest beat of them all uh, <laughs> no one beats word, his... word to your massive Nathan <laughs> <laughs> it's time to beat off shout out to the foves yeah. with Nathan Harrison oh okay so this is from their second album, Dig Your Own Hole, which was also their really big yeah. breakthrough. breakthrough. This is Chemical Brothers Have Arrived. Though I yeah. was... So the record hadn't come out by this point. Oh, right. Like, this was the lead single. Ah. Uh, and it actually came out this year. It's celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. Nice. Yeah. I very nearly picked Leave Home from the first album, Exit Planet Dust, as our remix mm. uh, for oh, the remix episode for last choice. season. Great track. This song kicks my ass. This is so good. Oh, I'm still like... Ow getting into the Chemical Brothers, particularly, like, early stuff. But, like, this song is just so good. Those huge drums, those sirens and the screeching guitars. I think Noel does a really good job on the vocals, too. Like, he just adds to that frantic anxiety yeah, of the yeah, whole yeah. song. It's beautiful. He would go on to sing on another one of my all-time favourite Chemical Brothers songs, uh, Let Forever Be. Yeah. Yeah, which is a fucking banger. And well. then the middle of the song hits, and it just the floor just drops away, and, and it feels oh. weightless, like you're... Like you're at the top of a roller coaster, like the top thrill drag. Top thrill drag. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Just before it drops, it's it's so good. I read a really interesting thing suggesting that this is very much their take on acid era Beatles. Think like uh, Tomorrow Never Knows from Revolver. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, Yes. Oh fucking hell! Yeah, wow. Right. Particularly a, the drums. That, now that like... is a take I will purchase. Yeah, yeah. Right? but you know who else purchased it at the time? The the actual MF Beatles. 
Um, in fact, they they were gearing up to get the lawyers ready because they were like, "You're sampling our drums um, in this track. We did not approve this." And the and the Chemical Brothers had to actually show the show three remaining. Working. Yeah, they had to show their work, and they'd be like, "No, we created this as bespoke it's bespoke drums. We did oh. this. It's not it's not from you guys." But yeah. everyone, fuck off, Paul, you wanker. <laughs> no, no, no. But everyone, I'm everyone to milk kind some of some more money out of this. Everyone try kind of wow. thought that. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. But I also really love this idea that people were writing about that, like, you know, the Chemical Brothers managed to out Beatles Oasis, yeah. you know, beat them at their own game. And because it's fun to rag on Oasis, I like this idea that Noel helped them as well. It's, it's quite good. Yeah, it's good. But it's just, it's such a good song. Huge. The yeah, whole like, thing, from the, start to finish. It, it obviously rules and it bangs so fucking hard. But the fact that it was a hit is... Like, getting Noel is a huge coup at this point yeah. for, for their career. When Oasis are one of the biggest, perhaps the biggest band in the world, and they get the like lead songwriter of Oasis to do guest vocals, that's a huge fucking coup for the Chemical Brothers. Yeah. And speaks to Noel's interest in, in interesting music outside yeah, of the yeah, yeah. spectrum. Kind of have to pay that to yeah. some extent. And also, like, because this is like experimental, borderline industrial techno. Like, yeah, it is yeah. harsh music. It is, and it was a huge. big hit. Because, like, the big bit scene is exemplified so perfectly in the handful of Chemical Brothers singles at this period. It's so perfect that that genre of music is called Big Beat because <laughs> yeah. there's nothing else it right. could be. Because yeah. it's just... the, the reason it's a beat and it's fucking big. It's just huge. It's too huge. Like, their blend, the Chemical Brothers blend of, like, that psychedelic techno and big beat sound they nail so well is so on show here. But mm. hidden beneath, like, not even, I guess kind of hidden beneath, like, a really metallic sheen. Like, it's, We've spoken about industrial music in passing, but this is like more like mechanical sounding and like mechanized than most industrial music. As much as like it's got a pop sensibility that is that isn't present in like that kind of stuff, but like this is like mechanized, automated music. Like it's so so non-humanly, and it, like the fact the middle bit that you section where it's like the weightlessness it. That in a way predicted the like 2010s bass drop era of techno music, and because like, it yeah. stops and then it comes back in, and it sounds this is 20 years old. What the fuck? Right? right. Yeah. It's you so listened- timeless. It's just worth zooming in on the fact that they did it so immaculately at this time. Yeah. Nathan, you and I have talked about quite a few times now, like just in in as part of the the countdown, looking at the music of 1996, and just going like, holy shit, what a watershed year for electronic music across the board. Mm. Just in terms of the main players that you have on the board at the moment, you've got the Chemical Brothers, you've got Aphex Twin, you've got DJ Shadow, um, I'm missing a a handful of others. Underworld, Like, 1996... For anyone who's in, in, into electronic music, you you have to like look at this and go. That's that's what the big albums are from this year. Yeah. It's a year of glow sticks, hundred <laughs> percent. But I'm really excited about that, particularly in terms of like UK club music in this countdown as well, because we've talked about a bunch of stuff. We talked about Bomb the Bass. Yeah, we talked about Pop will eat itself, and a lot of that stuff didn't really get there for us. And mm. and even though some of those songs had bits that we liked, we like, oh, this element is really good. The song as a whole wasn't really there. Yeah. And I just love the idea that now, you know, we're in the 96 countdown. We have the Chemical Brothers. Oh, we yeah. have a lot more about to hit this countdown uh-huh. as well. Like, yeah. Prodigy. It's here. And, like, we've sort of seen... And we've talked about Prodigy already, but yeah. we will talk about them some more. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, but we had all this stuff that was, like, it was nearly there. And now we have these yeah. huge things that are not only successful in terms of, like, the UK club scene, but they are artistically so on point. 
and have had crossover mainstream success into like just commercial radio and Triple J audiences yeah. countdown. That's super exciting, and this I, song I, is such a great one to start that off with. I think Noel's contribution is a, he does a, a large amount of the work yeah. for exposing this to a wider audience because fans who like well last year's winner was Wonderwall. Like yeah, that's, that's right. Like yeah. they're, they're one of the biggest bands in the entire world, and yeah. now people are obsessed with them, following them, whatever they do. They're on the front cover of Hitmaker and Enemy every other month, and then the lead songwriter of that band gets with these, at this point, relatively unknown outside of the club scene, DJs, yeah. these producers, yeah. the like Chemical Brothers. Like you said, brothers. props to Noel. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, I guess after after Exit Planet Dust, he was just like, this is, I'm going to jump on this. Yeah. I, you know, I would And, that, and that would have been stoked great. for these two young producers. Yeah. So being like, holy shit, this guy wants to do... And that's what works was like, a, like a huge amount of, I guess, this kind of big beat sound and most of the Chemical Brothers' career is instrumental music and wouldn't yeah. have prompted this idea of mainstream success outside of like instrumental aficionado mm. crowd and then like having the vocals of Noel here it's like oh no this is just a song it's just a, mm. like people without a, a like a, a, a doorway into the language of Big B and experimental electronic music mm. now have an in because yeah. there's still lyrics and there's still verses yeah. and there's still like a yep. sound of yep. song of music yeah like, the Chemical Brothers are more or less, like, one of the evergreen acts of the Hottest 100. Like, I, I think, like, right up to their most recent record, they have at least one song um, in the Hottest 100 every time they put something mm-hmm. out. There's something about the Chemical Brothers that has stayed relevant with generation after generation. Like, mm-hmm. there are kids that are born in 1997 that are probably massive Chemical Brothers heads now. I think it speaks to the Chemical Brothers' sort of adaptability yeah, and the way yeah, that yeah, they yeah. sort of manoeuvre through different styles, but there's still a really core Chemical Brothers yeah. ethos at the heart of their music. Yeah. They're accessible on every level. They're a band you can obsess over, they're a band you can listen to casually. As long as you're fucking raving to the grave, it does not give a goddamn <laughs> yeah. fuck. Us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you for listening. Thanks to FBI Radio for having us. Before we get out of here, don't don't make up. Yeah, <laughs> oh, oh, hard, difficult. You're all Sophie right now. We got to fucking do this shit. Favorite, least favorite, or or fifth favorite. And because you're all fucking cowards, I'll go first. You go. Uh, <laughs> favorite. I'm gonna go with Devil's Haircut. And fifth favourite, just by default, probably the Foves, just because that is my newest exposure and that love is still blossoming. I'm gonna, but I reckon we'll get a couple more roots in and it'll be fucking mint. I'm giving it, giving it the same. Devil's Haircut fave, Foves for fifth fave. And that's just because Devil's Haircut is a particularly perfect song. And yeah. Self Abuser is merely a very good song. Yes. It's a four out of five. Yeah, look, uh, I think self abuse is okay. Didn't really bang for it, so that's fine. It's that's a pretty easy one to throw a fifth because honestly, just bang it, bang it a few more times, man. These 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 four, the other four. Wow, one of the strongest like batch, four, batch, yeah. batch, batch, easy, yeah. yeah. Like just cram them all. What a, what a shame for the Foves that they were with this four. There are so many other fours oh, that they yeah, would have they totally out the <laughs> Such a shame that for the other like three in there that they, they they can't all be winners because they all are. I'm going to give uh, Zero my number one because... No surprise. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll jump on the devil's haircut and Fove's train. Mm. But yeah, what a what a nightmare mm. of oh. a perfectly good episode. <laughs> well, we did it. We got there in the end. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Get the word out there. Tell some friends. Tell some enemies. We appreciate you. We respect you. Be good. Be loyal. Loyal. For fuck's sake. <laughs> They don't want you to subscribe. <laughs> they don't want you. 
On behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison. Thank you. Mr. Adam Buncher. Cheers. Mr. Andrew McDonald. Good nice. My name is DJ Khaled. Everything is good for you. They don't want you to enjoy it. Enjoy it. Joy. Lion. Lion. That's the lion, baby. Bless up. Bless up.